This is Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up, wearing my Next Level Rugby hat. Uh, we're outside the Fred Astaire Dance Studio, awaiting Steve Lewis. That's where he works out. Next on Rugby Wrap-Up, a holiday spectacular featuring George Hook, Alex Corbacero, Steve Lewis, and Matt McCarthy with tweaks for rugby, improbable events, and rugby gifts under the tree. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Pig & Whistle, the world's best rugby pub. The Murphy Kennedy Group, founded with the idea that construction can be done better. And Lean and & Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan. Thank you for joining us once again. We've got a big show, end of the year show, holiday show. And what better way to celebrate than have the guests that we have on today? None other than Mr. George Hook calling in from Dublin. Mr. Stephen Lewis on the bourgeois Upper West Side of Manhattan. And Mr. Alex Corbacero in Maryland, of all places. Alex, let's welcome you back first. How are you, my friend? Oh, mate, it's great to be here. Uh, sorry for a little bit of the shaded studio. We're in the, the Gestidis basement. As you can see, I've got the, the shrine behind me on the, on the wall, and uh, we're making do as best we can, but it's great to be back in the U.S., and obviously always a pleasure to be here. George, how's things in Dublin? Well, literally, uh, as we speak, I mean, as I came on the program, the, the cabinet declared the most extraordinary restrictions. Uh, in effect, Christmas is over, um, uh, to the point of that my children can't come and see me, like legally. So like there could be a policeman outside my door preventing my children to come to see me. It's also some sad news for me. Uh, one man, my daughter and her family tested positive for COVID. That's really obviously very worrying. We tested negative. But over here, and, and indeed in Britain, we're looking at restrictions, which I don't think in, in the history of democracy have existed. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not an you easy thing. You can't go to mass for the first time since the penal laws of the 18th century. We cannot go to mass. Yeah, we've been dealing with that here in New York City for, for quite some time. It was... Oh, but you never went to mass anyway. You, How you dare you, us. sir? How dare real, you? We're real over here. How dare you? But we're going to switch to rugby. But before that, we're going to say hello to Stephen. Stephen, how are you? Just peachy. Just peachy. Good. Succinct. We like that. All right, so gentlemen, let's get to the rugby. And for a holiday show, an end of the year show, we came up with a couple of ideas. And the first thread of which is we each recall an improbable event in rugby. Alex? My improbable, uh, improbable event of 2020 is the dismantling and relegation of the Saracens dynasty, uh, which I think, as much as they've been punished and maybe found guilty or slapped on the wrist a couple of times, I think the actual end result of how their players have been shipped out, how they're relegated to the championship, there is no championship, the premiership's going on, um, I, I, to me, that's the improbable event for me. I, I didn't see that coming, coming into this year. And England's biggest star is sitting idle right now until March, right? Yeah, which I don't think a lot of them are probably going to complain too much about. They just played the autumn, still getting club wage, get paid your England plays, do the Six Nations, roll into the Lions, then hopefully Saracens will be back up and back to normal. Stephen? Yeah, I think, well, the improbable event is the, the disease that no one saw coming, right? So 
you know, in the main, it's wrecker of lives, destroyer of all the worlds. Um, we talked previously about religion being the opium of the masses, and now sport is the opium of the masses, and we are denied our bread of Christ. Uh, we have been denied that thing that connects us, and um, sport is just one part of it, but COVID has wrecked sport. Aided and abetted, one has to say, by inept and corrupt political leadership the world over. Talking to you, Trump. Talking to you, Johnson. Um, so just horrific, improbable thing. We, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep trying to get stick to poli- to stick to rugby, but it, we're 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 going down it a different path. George, that segues right to you, my friend. Well, um, to an American audience, if Robert E. Lee announced that the leadership of the Army of the Confederacy was to be entirely composed of blacks, uh, then the shockwaves couldn't have been greater than in Irish rugby. For over 100 years, the Ulster, the northern province, has been uniformly Protestant because the Protestant schools played rugby, the Catholic schools played Gaelic football. This year, for the first time in history, not only Catholics playing for Ulster, but in many, case, many games, the majority of the team were Papists. I mean, it is incredible. And to the everlasting uh, uh, pride, really, of, of Ulster people, they've supported that team with the same vigor, albeit not there, with the same vigor that they previously supported the Protestant team. I think it's an incredible event that I never saw coming. Stephen, I think you might have something to offer on this. Oh, well, as a, as a irredeemably lapsed papist or Fenian, um, who's been, you know, have, had sto- uh, stones thrown at him, warming up in multiple games in Belfast, when they think I'm a, a Protestant, when I wasn't. Um, I don't know if that was why they were throwing rocks. I think they were just throwing rocks. Throw stones at us. There, there was, you know, 20 years ago, there was very much a religious divide in, in rugby, as George correctly says, was a Protestant sport in the North. Um, coming from the West of Scotland, we had mixed teams, half Catholic, half Protestant. So it was always a source of banter for us, unless you were talking about football. But to George's point, uh, the Ulster, Ulster fans are as fanatical as ever, and they've embraced this, um, what is essentially a demographic change, which you're seeing... Um, both politically and in rugby. All right. Well, next week, tune in for Lapsed Fenians and Geopolitical Fun Facts from Ulster. But in the meantime, we're going to stick to rugby. Alex, I got, I, I got to go to you on this one just to get away from these two. Um, a positive story in the year. Okay, Caleb Clark. Okay, they were preparing for the Olympics, getting ready to, you know, play New Zealand Sevens, committed to this journey. COVID comes, it wrecks New Zealand Sevens, he gets a chance to play super rugby, he shines, all of a sudden now someone who may not have come to the forefront is basically the jewel in the all-black crown and their sort of new sort of attacking weapon. And so let's, let's stick to that as a rugby-related positive story. Well, again, a comparison between the U.S. and Ireland. I mean, uh, underage rugby in Ireland is a bit like uh, high school football in Texas. And if you look at Celine High School in Texas, who are the biggest, have won the state championship more times than anybody else, the, the comparison in Ireland is Blackrock College or St. Michael's College. And lo and behold, to reach the final of both underage championships, this tiny rural high school, co-ed to boot, uh, 
reaches the final of both the underage championships, sadly not played because of COVID, but never in over a hundred years of high school uh, rugby has that happened. A small school reaching both finals. Uh, and I thought it was the most uplifting story imaginable. And I, I, I don't know any small high schools in Texas. I don't think they exist. But if there is one down there where Buddy Holly was born and they suddenly won the state championship, you know, you can imagine the excitement. That's what it was like over here. It was hugely uplifting. Yeah, well, maybe Nigel Mel will get another job in professional rugby that will keep him away from American rugby. That's a positive. Um, they're probably the only real positive is we're only like nine days away from 2021 where American rugby players will get back on the field. So that's my positive. MLR starting, women going to a World Cup in New Zealand, Olympics for the men and uh, women's sevens teams. So I'm just looking forward. There's not much positive in 2020 for me. All right, well, we'll, we'll go to the negative events that caught your eye in, in the year, but I did have two others that were runner-up. I had um, Los Pumas beating the All Blacks and Munster's epic win over Claremont uh, in, the, in the Champions Cup. Just, just unbelievable. But let's go to George and Steve's favorite topic, negatives of 2020. Let's start with you, Steve. Well, as we discussed previously on the, on the catastrophic leadership in politics the world over, um, we need to look no further, no closer for more catastrophic leadership than USA Rugby. Um, a feckless, toxic brand, feckless leadership that delivered the union into bankruptcy. We've got to distinguish here between the administrative brand USA Rugby, which I'm being negative about, and American Rugby and American Rugby players, which I'm very positive about. Back to USA Rugby's bankruptcy. You know, they, they sort of got away with it because COVID hit immediately afterwards, but they were going down anyway. And it is important to remember why they're bankrupt. Incompetence, financial mismanagement, criminal misappropriation of membership funds. These are important things to remember. This didn't just happen in a vacuum. So they're out of bankruptcy. The players are getting back on the field next year. So hopefully it is a rosier time for American rugby. I, I spent uh, some emotional moments there listening to Steve Lewis. Five years of my life, I was utterly involved with USA Rugby. I was in Colorado Springs at the head office, and I saw the beginnings of what you, Steve Lewis has now talked about. And it saddens me hugely. You, you can't imagine. But then, as an Irishman, and as somebody who's been involved in this game for now, over 70 years, it has never been worse as a spectacle and as something to enjoy. The great thing about our game was, I, and we always said it, you can be a fat guy, a thin guy, a tall guy, a small guy, a fast guy, a slow guy. It doesn't matter. It's a spot for you in that rugby team. No longer is that the case, you know, when, uh, when Jonah Lumu came on the pitch in Johannesburg in that World Cup in 95, we thought he was unusual. Now he isn't anymore. They're all big guys. And the game is just for big guys. It's kicked them all up in the air and run after it. It is awful. I'm going to go with a story uh, of Pat Quinn, who was the co-founder of the ALS Bucket challenge um 
one could easily argue that this was a positive for all the positive stuff that he did in bringing attention to what is inherently or, or known more popular, more popularly as Lou Gehrig's disease. But, um, you know, a friend dying is never a positive, especially to such a hideous disease, but he did put it on the, he, he put it on the radar a lot more than it was. Uh, but Pat, we miss you, buddy. Uh, Alex, do you have a negative? Cause you're a very yeah, positive my guy. Negative, <laughs> my negative is to, it's kind of the rugby hierarchs of across the world that I think when COVID first happened and we saw how vulnerable and, susceptible rugby was to this pandemic and how you a lot of the cracks that had been papered over of the financials of the way that the the, the different properties in rugby were working together all of a sudden got exposed it looked like collaboration potential global season aligning things reform was on the horizon and then as more time went on all the same issues of egos, elbows up, inability to agree. Let's just carry on as normal. Like it looked like COVID to me initially could have been the catalyst to get, you know, a lot of change done in the rugby landscape that would align a lot of properties, make make the calendar more profitable and 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 work out together. But instead we've kind of seen everyone look after their own and gone back to the sort of the, the current themes of what holds rugby back. Uh, that's probably my my big frustration of the year all right we're going to break for commercial but before we do i'm going to to, to end this on a semi-positive note before we go into the break i'm also going to add a positive in that we are now having more frequent awkward conversations about race they are uncomfortable they're awkward but they're necessary but don't go away ladies and gentlemen because we've got tweaks to the game and what each of us would leave under a christmas tree right after this if you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. Been blind since I was four, and I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste, and my beer's Paps Blue Ribbon. It has a taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. Oh, that's good beer. We are back. Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan, Steve Lewis on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, George Hook in Dublin, and Alex Corbicero in Maryland, of all places. Guys, we left off with a cliffhanger saying that we were going to talk about uh, tweaks to the game and gifts under the tree. Let's start with tweaks to the game. And Alex, let's start with you. Thanks, Matt. Uh, my tweaks to the game is actually scrum reform to tidy up some of the areas that need fixing. I think um, I posted on my, on my Twitter the other day a video explaining how certain teams are changing their setup technique, which I think is much more positive to the game. But I, I have a bigger bone to gripe that I think uh, if you watch the video, you see how second rows move their feet back on the bind. It adds more weight forward. I think that should be banned 
in rugby because I think it's causing too many. Re- I don't. I think certain teams can do it well, but there's too many teams doing it poorly. And as you go down the levels, it gets even worse in rugby. And I think it's leaving reset scrums. I think it leads to collapses because it's instant instability on the engage especially if you lose with that style of scrummaging and so I think it's kind of ruining our sport where as someone who works at NBC which is trying to grow a big audience and show this new sport I don't want to be bogged down in two minute you know two three minute patches of scrum reset scrum reset because the referees can't figure out what's going on and and they keep going and I think that is to me a huge factor that could be easily just World Rugby says all second rows now need to come up off the two knees. Number eights can't pre-engage their weight until the referee says set. And I honestly think scrums in 2021 will look a lot better for the public to digest. And so that is my big gripe and area where I think can be fixed. It's a simple fix. Everyone watch the video on my Twitter, Alex Corbs, and please get on the bandwagon of encouraging your teams to change its scrum setup and putting pressure on World Rugby to sort of nick that out of the game because it's just kind of gone unchecked and no one's really seen it. But now, hopefully, that video highlights it. More people will get on the bandwagon of stopping to do that. Coming to a league near you soon. Kicking clock, reduced from 90 seconds to 60. Seven point for a try under the post. And my personal favourite, which may not be coming to a, a league near us soon, is um, get rid of the caterpillar ruck. It's an obscenity. I, I, you know, I, I kind of like the caterpillar ruck, but... Uh, is it only seven under the posts? Yep, it's like a penalty try. So, so we're kind of going away with the conversion. You're speeding the game up, right? And all these things, you're trying to make the game more entertaining. Oh, so, so no conversion, just an automatic seven under the automatic track. seven. Yeah. Okay. How about and, and you, you want to adopt something along the lines of the World Tens, where you have different uh, scoring opportunities from different spots on the field? Yep. All right, George. Well, what I would do is um, I would uh, have 13 players aside, uh, take away the two flankers, uh, scrap the line out, uh, bring in the six tackle rule, uh, and then I think we're home free. We're off and running. Are mullets a prerequisite? They already play this game, George. It's called Rugby League. Right. Jack Kyle. The greatest fly half that ever played the game anywhere in the world. And in his dotage, he said to me, he said, George, please explain, why do rugby players run at rugby players and not run at space? And therein, my friend, as Shakespeare would have put it, lies the rub. And I endorse most of what George says. What he's describing is rugby league, so... I don't see the point of that, but his, his, the premises are correct, you know, about how do you get space? How do, we, how do we rediscover space? How do we rediscover joy? How do we rediscover spontaneity? How do you reward skillful players? These are the, these are the things we need to look at. Here are two things. Every sport goes through cycles. You know, you, you had the NHL where they were vilified for playing the trap, but they played the trap because that's what their personnel was able to do successfully. It was the most boring brand of hockey watching the New Jersey Devils and the Florida Panthers play in a hockey game in a Stanley Cup final seven match, seven games was the most boring hockey ever. But, hey, that's what they, they did. You had the NFC smash mouth football versus the NF, NF, NFC West uh, wide open um, spread offense. It, it changes. But, George, we're all here because we love the game of rugby, 15's rugby. So 
We all no, enjoyed no, it. Not, At some no. point, we all enjoyed it. No, hold on. Hold on. We're not all here because we love rugby. There is one of the four of us does not love rugby. And he's speaking to you. I'm not interested in watching <laughs> it. I'm not interested in paying for it. And it, only that I will not force my grandchildren, I would prefer if they didn't play it. I understand the premises of why people are upset with rugby right now because the rules seem to think it's almost better to not have the ball than have the ball. So really, what does that do for the emphasis of attacking rugby? It means, because the reason why a lot of the rules right now, the breakdown rules have been favoured the defence, is because it's true. Teams weren't playing for space. They were just playing phase ball and holding on to the ball long enough and then eventually getting either penalties which would lead to driving more field position, attack and play rugby that way, or eventually would finally break down after 30, 40, 20 plus phases. And it was the only way they knew how to score. The, the emphasis on rugby is not to remove players to create space. The emphasis on rugby is to re, uh, re-educate players to make decisions on the ball. Right now, there's too much of a decision of, there's a wall in front of me, let me run at it. We need to be attacking space. Players... All those pods off nine that forwards are carries, they're not just dead carries running into brick walls. You've got to have decisions. You've got to have an outside tip, an inside tip, a 10 out the back. You've got to have a 10 creating space. The new rules are basically putting massive pressure on being hyper-clinical with the ball. And if you are a rugby player, a team that cannot execute under pressure and eliminate that space, it's better to kick it and not have the ball. And that's why you see England only turn it on when they need it. The All Blacks only turning it on when they need it because right now playing phase ball or holding onto the ball into your own half is getting punished by penalties because the defence have the upper hand with the way the, the way that the, the breakdown is refed at the moment. The game needs to update itself with the way that it's being refed and, and it needs to move towards what I think everyone's talking about is we need to get back to attacking space and being clinical with the ball and not being these robotic, big, muscly men that just bash lumps out of each other. Uh, my tweak... You mentioned refs and the refereeing. I'm stealing mine from Nigel Owens. Uh, and in, he, is, he has suggested a couple, but I'm, one I'm going to hone in on is the substitutions. Let's knock them down to four. It's four subs per team. That way you get more guys playing more rugby. You're going to have smaller players. You're going to have tired players. You're not going to have the horrific injuries that we have now with guys that are completely uh, playing on a full tank, coming in with you know, an army of reserves. I'm going with so – I got a hand raised. Alex, you got a hand raised there? Go Can ahead. I rebuttal? Can I rebuttal why you can, I disagree but I, I might this? mute I've, your mic. I've, I've, heard this, I've heard this argument a few times. The only worry that I have is, is the length of the rugby season, the, what we know now about the risks of concussion and sub-concussive blows, and by b- remove, you're, you're exposing the players that are on the field to more, to more risk, in my mind, by not having the substitutions. I get – the argument about the physicality impact of bringing on these big hyped up men for 20 minutes where they just smash lumps. But then like, say you don't have big props coming off the bench. Now the wear and tear of props playing 80 minutes every week is, is going to, is going to shorten careers that way and potentially lead to more lumps and knocks to the head, which you know, who knows what the long-term ramifications of increasing that load would be. Steven. Yeah. Less panelists. I'm sitting on the bench here. You haven't used me in 10 minutes. Well, Stephen, we just raise. Alex is raising his hand. Raise your hand. You'll be called on. What do you have school. to say, Stephen? Stephen, you have something to say? No, just waiting for the next segment. <laughs> what the? It's a talk show, guy. 
All right, next segment. So Stephen Lewis could get back involved. Uh, what would you leave under the tree, either for a, a rugby personality or the rugby fan? Well, as a Scotsman, you know, we're not particularly big on Christmas. You know, Christmas was actually abolished in 1640 by the Scottish Parliament with the connivance of the Kirk, which is the Church of Scotland, who frowned on all things remotely Catholic or Papist or Fenian. Uh, so actually, Christmas in Scotland was officially a holiday in 1958. I was gonna, I was uh, now, you know me, you'll know that Hogmanay, New Year's Eve, is a much more important holiday. So on Hogmanay, what would I leave for you, my friend Matthew, under your yuletide tree, a good bottle of single malt, and maybe a $500 voucher to Zara so you get some clothes on finally. Fair, fair play. I, I'm flattered that I was the choice so, uh, as a rugby personality or a rugby fan. I'm not sure which, but thank you, Stephen. Fan. Well, uh, Billy Beaumont, the head of World Rugby, his tree will be my choice. And under the tree, I would leave a list of all 70 names of the rugby union players uh, catastrophically brain damaged by this game uh, and through the, the incompetence of the regulators of the game over the last 20 or 25 years. And I'd just like him to remember who they were. All right, so I'm going to go out of turn here. I'm going to say, how about the ability for every fan to watch any rugby live from their sofa without having to run the risk of uh, being overrun or hijacked or hacked by unsavory websites and the like? It would be nice to be able for, for everybody, if you have to pay for it, you have to pay for it, but to be able to watch any rugby anywhere live from your own home. Alex. Anything Have you not seen Peacock TV? Have you not seen Peacock TV by the lovely NBC? Ladies and gentlemen, this is another NBC plug. Go Champ ahead. Get Champion Cup Rugby, Premiership, Six Nations, Secret the Lions is going to be on there. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty good deal. So where was I supposed to watch uh, Monster vs. Claremont? On Peacock, $4.99, live and on demand, advertisement free on your phone, tablet, computer, or smart TV. You have all a bunch of other sports and you have the full video and movie library of NBC Universal. All right. So you get Law and Order. I don't think so, big guy. Copies of the membership card swipes from the gym Mr. Kono was at last night. Video on these tapes was taken from the gym surveillance cameras, showing exactly when Mr. Kono arrived and left. You get movies, you get everything. In the US, you pay $4.99 a month on top of your subscription, and you get every game, live demand, on your phone. Any People in England would bite your hand off for the deal that Peacock has. Okay, I sit corrected on the Peacock thing, but we need more Peacocks out there and not at 20 bucks a pop. Four, $4, $5, we can handle. Anyway, uh, one other thing I wanted to put under a Christmas tree or a holiday tree or a holiday symbol uh, here on American soil is a thriving and growing Major League Rugby and a fiscally sound USA Rugby. Alex, you're leaving either a rugby personality or a rugby fan a present under the tree. What is it? And don't say it's Peacock subscription. Peacock subscription. I'll take it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I've got one. I've got one for Stephen. Um, I'm giving a uncontrolled contact and training pass to professional rugby players under the tree. It is a pass for rugby players that if they have this pass in their hand, that that means that when they train, they don't take uncontrolled contact in the week and they save it for rugby on the weekend, which is a way I think the game 
should move completely as as we are. You know, as George referenced that lawsuit and other things are going on, uh, reducing the amount of contact and training to me is one of the biggest areas we can we can we can positively impact some of those uh, some of those areas that we're starting to see come out in the news. Can't, you can't go wrong with that. All right, and to end the show and the program, I want to I want to uh, offer you guys happiness and health under your trees, under your respective celebratory whatever you have. Steve, what do you what do you what do you what, what would I be placing yours under? Mistletoe. Mistletoe. Oh, mistletoe. It's got a different connotation, but it's all good. But seriously, health and happiness to all of you. I know that we're all uh, we're all dealing with some stuff right now, so. Uh, let's all get healthy, happy, and come back in 2021. I'll see you guys in 2021. I'll see you next year. On that note, Mr. George Hook, Mr. Stephen Lewis, Mr. Alex Corbisero, thank you on behalf of these gentlemen and on behalf of Rugby Wrap-Up, a happy and healthy holiday to all of you. Uh, I'm Matt McCarthy. We appreciate your time. <laughs>